Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungru. After 15 years of working as a major fundraiser in both the charity and higher education sectors, Jessica Rose found she was frustrated by the lack of concrete transformational change. Jessica is a graduate of our Masters in Social Innovation, and she's now studying a part-time PhD at the University of Cambridge, and she's also Head of Philanthropy and Development for the National Cancer Institute in Madrid. I asked Jessica how the Masters motivated her to find different ways of delivering transformational gift-giving and also her discovery of sexual harassment within the world of fundraising. Over the years, I've been particularly frustrated by some of the way that fundraising works. In particular, when I was working for a charity, we were reaching out to all of these big corporate partners for funding and receiving funding, but getting little bits and pieces. Because what happens with people that are deciding to to give money philanthropically is they have lots of different things that they want to support, which makes sense. But in the end, what it meant was that I wasn't seeing any transformational change happening. So we were working with a big corporate partner, but they were giving £30,000 here and £10,000 there and 100000 to all these little projects. And I started thinking about how this could work in a different way and what sort of relationship would be required between the third sector, government, and the corporate sector to really start making not just providing a Band-Aid solution for some of these issues. I was working specifically in educational disadvantage, but how could we make a real transformational change? That was back in Australia, and then we moved to the UK, and I started work as a major gift fundraiser for the University of Cambridge. And that was a different scenario, but I was still grappling with this issue, especially for, in particular for the charitable sector rather than higher education, about how we could have some, some more transformational gifts and change the system. And then when I found the Masters in Social Innovation, I really felt that this would give me the opportunity to be able to critically analyse some of what I was thinking in a more academic way. And so that's why I applied for the Masters. I had been working in the field for a long time and I, I wanted to get my brain thinking in a different way about my work. So it really was very connected to my own work. And it did absolutely do that for me. And in the end, I ended up doing my dissertation in the Masters in the fundraising sector. And in the end, I found that extremely useful and it helped me think about approaching my job and pushing my sector in a whole different way. So these people were giving money philanthropically but only in enough to make it make themselves look good or was the issue that it wasn't enough to actually make a positive change? It wasn't just to make themselves look good. They, they, the intentions were honourable for sure. But my feeling was if we're going to actually make some real transformational social changes in intractable social issues, whether they are educational disadvantage or poverty or gender inequality or whatever it might be, there are going to some huge and uh, difficult change is required. And really it's corporate partners and their money and their resources that can enable that in the charitable sector. But what I wasn't seeing 
And I was particularly interested in the time at looking at corporate fundraising. What I wasn't seeing was an organisation looking at an issue. So, you know, a bank, for instance, looking at an issue and whether it was climate change or whatever it might be and saying, what could we do as an organisation that would really make a difference in this space? What they were doing instead was having a separate corporate social responsibility arm which had its own little budget and they were giving away to lots of little projects. But what I really wanted to think about was some of these issues that we're all facing, like lack of water or climate change or poverty or whatever it might be. The only way that we're really going to see huge changes is if the organisation includes the thinking about how to tackle that issue as part of their, their core business. So it's to stop it from being just an altruistic, we want to give money because that's what companies should do and we get a tax benefit and it makes our employees feel warm and fuzzy, actually start thinking about tackling some of these problems that they have the potential to do as part of their core strategy because and I'll give you a really obvious example. This is, too, this is too simplified, but this helps explain what I'm talking about. The company Nestle were having trouble with their water quality in a particular developing country. And so then they looked into getting all of these filtration plants and how to improve the quality of their water and essentially filter the water because they needed it to be at a better quality. And that was going to cost a lot of money and take a lot of time and a lot of resources then what they started doing is thinking about what the cause of the problematic water was about instead and so they went and realized that the farms in the area that were feeding into the river were using pesticides and the farmers could be taught to farm in a different way um, and use a different quality of materials and that would affect the water quality at the source and so instead of investing their money in expensive filtration plants what they invested their money in was community education and change and then it changed the quality of the water which was a benefit for Nestle but what it also did was improve greatly improve the quality of the rural community of the farmers it improved environmental now that's a very lovely neat example and in a way it's a bit too simplistic but that's to give you an idea of some of the ways that as a company you could change your thinking about approaching an issue so we could invest in you know, in a, in a water filter, or we could actually start investing our time and resources in money and working out what the root problem is. And in the end, it was a good business decision for them as well, because it greatly improved their water quality, but it also did a huge amount for the environment. So it was examples like that, where I was thinking, I, I want more of that type of really big picture strategic thinking to be occurring in the charitable sector. The difficulty is when you're operating from the point of view of a charity, then you don't have a lot of power. So it's the big corporations and, and the policymakers in government that probably have more of the power balance. As a charity, you're always running around in a way trying to keep the lights on. And, and the thing that, um, is it can be very frustrating. I've talked to a lot of my fundraising colleagues about this, about being a major gift fundraiser is all of my job, nearly 100% of my job is really, really high level, difficult, strategic thinking, blue sky thinking and, and high level negotiation, but people don't see it. They don't understand what it is we do and they don't understand how critical a fundraiser is because the, say, for instance, at the University of Cambridge, the important people were the donor, the high net worth individual and the academic 
without realising the huge amount of work and thinking and negotiation and strategy and the training of the academic, the helping the academic change their own thinking about what was possible and what they could do with a big gift and how they could transform. And that's what a fundraiser does. But somehow it's just not seen. So the Masters was my way of trying to one, learn a bit more, but also get some more credentials behind what I was doing and thinking. And so I could then start to say to people, I want to do this and I have actually done some original research into this and and be approaching it from a more academic way. Often when people go into doing a postgraduate degree or program of some sort, you already go in with an understanding of the environment that you've worked in. And Masters in Social Innovation, I mean, it's a relatively new subject anyway. Did that challenge what you believed you already knew and know about the environment that you work in and that you were researching? Not specifically in fundraising too much, but it certainly opened my mind. Because we were studying social theory, I started thinking about constructs of um, society and and the way we do things, everything from gender, um, from how I was uh, interacting as a colleague or a manager or employee at work, my parenting, my role, you know, as a female and what it means, what gender means. There were so many things that I thought about in a different way as a result of doing the course. A lot of it linked back to my work, but it wasn't only about my work either. It was really fascinating for me to start thinking about social theory and even organisational theory and some of the other things that we studied across the two years. And I was able to apply that learning to lots of areas of my life, much broader than just, just my own job. And it also made me think in a different way. Like I said, I'd been working in the field for 15 years and you get yourself into a not a rut, but you just get yourself into thinking about things in a certain way, into your comfort zone, I suppose. So this pushed me out of my comfort zone, which I really enjoyed. That's what I wanted. How then has it helped you to move forward in the job that you were doing? Well, to my Great surprise, I decided to continue with academic research because I loved it so much. And I've been accepted into the PhD program in the Department of Sociology at Cambridge. And so I'm actually going to continue studying by doing a PhD. And why I say to my great surprise was because, (laughs) to be absolutely honest with you, When I started doing the Masters, I was working full-time. I actually had just had a baby too. So um, when the Masters started, I had a four-week-old baby and I hadn't done any university work for years and years. And so it stretched me. And at times I was tearing my hair out because trying to get back into the mode of writing essays and literature reviews and reading all the articles and stuff, you know, it's a muscle that I hadn't flexed in a long time. But toward the end, even though it is quite hard work, I loved it. And then when the master's finished, I missed it. I missed doing that kind of academic reading and I missed having another string to my bow and I missed just going back to just thinking about work. And so all of that led me to thinking about what I was doing in my job and what I wanted to do in the future. And what I decided was that I actually loved pursuing original research and the other thing is 
that the, my dissertation was in my area. So what I looked at was how fundraisers manage sexual harassment from donors. A very gritty, very sensitive and personal topic because I interviewed fundraisers from all over the world about their own experiences of sexual harassment on the job from donors. And surprisingly, this had never actually really been looked at academically before. There's a huge amount of research out there about inter-workplace sexual harassment, but that tends to be from colleagues or, or bosses or subordinates. There's a bit of research around sexual harassment from external agents. So, for instance, if you're managing a client relationship, for instance, or young women, say, working in customer service roles and being sexually harassed by a customer. But there's something really particular about fundraising, which is that your relationship with the donor wades into a much more personal space than it would in a normal client relationship because for the donor, this isn't work. For, for them giving money away, it's not their work. They're giving their own personal fortune to something that they feel very passionate about. So the relationship kind of becomes more intimate in a way than, than a normal one and that can lead to, to some problems. <laughs> so that was really fascinating and as a result of it, then a lot of people became interested in my work like, well, for instance, the University of Cambridge were interested in looking at their system and, and um, whether some changes could be made across the sector. Some regulators were interested in it, fundraising regulators, and also some of the general fundraising associations, such as CASE, which is the Council for Advancement and support of education, which is the main kind of fundraisers association in my area. So there was a lot of interest in the work and I started pursuing some, some projects to help people in the charitable sector think about how we can make some changes. Now, this is a very long way of me answering your question, which is how did that then help me in my current job? So what all of this made me think about was what I was doing. I'd been a major gift fundraiser, managing a big team and a team of fundraisers for quite a while. And I started to think that I would like to do something a little bit different and challenge myself in a different way. So I decided to pursue doing a part-time PhD. And in addition, what I've done is actually with my family, we have moved to Madrid and I have taken on the role of the head of philanthropy and development for the National Cancer Institute in Madrid. And it's building a philanthropic program from scratch, which is really interesting. And at the same time, I'm doing a part-time PhD and actually using the Cancer Institute as a case study I'm looking at something in a similar vein to what I looked at in my master's, but um, slightly different. So what I want to look at is the power imbalance in the charitable industry between donors and organisations or donors and fundraisers and how we can start to redress some of that balance. So not specifically focused on sexual harassment this time. That is a manifestation of a power imbalance, but looking at it more broadly. So really, you could say that doing the master's has changed the course of my career. Not completely. I'm still staying in fundraising, but it really has made me look at it in a different way and pursue. I'm now looking at myself as partly a fundraiser, but partly also equally a social sciences researcher. And I will probably even in a few years time get out of being an on, on the ground fundraiser and either 
continue with research if that's what I really love, although I don't actually imagine myself going down the route of being an, an academic, probably more like consulting in the area. That's the ideal. So with the ability and the possibility of being able to affect change, how then do you see yourself moving forward in the future? That's a really interesting question because it, it, in a way it is... I don't know if it's, if it's brave or stupid <laughs> to be doing what I'm doing, which is doing the academic research, but then also trying to be an on-the-ground change agent as well. It's, it's a lot to be doing at once. But that's what I'm finding so thrilling. I'm out there doing original research and learning things about our, my profession and about our industry that I hadn't been able to fully articulate before. But it's not just about asking the question and then, as you say, putting the information out there and other people can do with it what they will. What I'm really passionate about is making real change. And it turned out that the area that I was really interested in, there wasn't, there wasn't somebody else out there doing research in this area, so I had to do it myself. It's pretty niche in a way what I'm doing, but what was really interesting about the research that I, that all the fundraisers, and I, what I did in my dissertation was I, in, I interviewed fundraisers and I also interviewed managers of fundraisers. And they might have been fundraisers themselves or they might have been HR professionals or whatever. And the funny thing was, it's such an obvious, whenever I tell people what my dissertation was about, you know, how do fundraisers manage sexual harassment from donors, people sort of go, Oh, they think about it, they think, oh, and then they think, oh, yes, yeah, that's pretty obvious. But nobody had really asked the question. Every single person I interviewed had been sexually harassed by a donor, and I didn't ask that up front. I didn't ask them before. I just reached out to fundraisers that I knew. There was not one exception. But we'd never, in all my years of fundraising, and I'm talking 15 years, I had never sat in a room with my colleagues and talked about how we can manage it, what are safeguarding principles for young women going out, you know, meeting donors in their own homes or in a bar, which comes across as a bit of a date and that kind of thing. So, I mean, it was, to me, it was so shocking that this was something that was affecting all of our daily lives and it was something that none of us talked about. So I decided that I had to keep doing the research, but also I didn't want to just do the research. I have to start trying to make a change in my industry as well because all the young women, and it is women, male fundraisers are not really sexually harassed. The men that I talked to maybe had had it once in their career and often that was from a male donor to them. And so what I really want to do is start to make changes in the industry, which is why I'm sort of pursuing this path. And I don't know what I'll end up doing in the future, but I feel like I don't want to be an on-the-ground fundraiser forever for a number of reasons. It's very metric-driven and it's a particular type of job and you have to have a particular type of drive. What I really would like to be doing is working for the industry rather than in the industry. So actually doing some sort of consulting or, or whatever it is to, to make some big changes. This interview is part of a series of our graduates finding out how they're moving forward with their careers, with their lives and what motivation and inspiration the Masters for Social Innovation has given them. What advice then would you give to somebody who is thinking, okay, I'm going to do this, this Masters, but I'm not entirely sure where it's taking me to? I think when I started... I felt 
quite nervous about working out what I was going to do my dissertation on because I had absolutely no idea. And I, it, it all sounds very obvious and very easy now because I ended up doing it on my work and, you know, it uncovered this really interesting dynamic issue and people have been fascinated. But at the start, I had absolutely no idea what I would write about. I was thinking about women in micro businesses in coffee plantations in developing countries and you know, all sorts of different things. So what I would say to prospective students is that you will learn through the course many things that will help you work out what, you, what it is you want to study. And even for all of us, and I was in cohort one, the process of uh, even putting together our research proposal, there were many iterations and some of us pivoted, fully pivoted our ideas at least twice even during the process of writing the research proposal. So don't be fooled by hearing all these fantastic presentations from current and previous students about what they ended up writing about, which all sounds really interesting and fascinating and well thought out. Don't think that we all came up with these fantastic ideas at the start because it's a long, slow, frankly, painful process to work out what your question and what your topic is but you're given a huge amount of help. You've got a lot of time and you can find your way there. And so I think that would be my one piece of advice because at the start, it's, it felt very daunting. I was looking forward to all, I loved all the coursework and I really loved my cohort. I loved all the learning and the reading, but I was anxious about trying to work out what I was going to research and how I was going to do it. And in the end, I mean, it took me a long time to finally reach my question. But once I got there, I knew it was right because it felt right and it felt exciting. And I was really looking forward to going out and doing the research and asking the questions and doing all the reading and stuff. But it certainly is a process. <laughs> that was Jessica Rose, Masters in Social Innovation alumna and Head of Philanthropy and Development for the National Cancer Institute in Madrid. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube.